You have 24 minutes. You have 24 minutes, the podcast from 24 Hour Nation. 24 Hour Nation's website, podcasts, and webinars are for professionals, business owners, and volunteers who are interested in the nighttime economy and in urban night issues in their community. 24 Hour Nation is also designed for intrepid travelers who have a nose for new and intriguing nighttime experiences in U.S. cities. Today, you will hear from Dominique Greco. Dominique is the founder and executive director of the Orlando Hospitality Alliance. Dominique and I will talk about how local and social businesses like drinking, dining, entertainment establishments can rally together to be a proactive force in any city's economy. My name is Randall White, host and curator for 24-Hour Nation, where we offer updates, insights, and conversations about nighttime economies in American cities. Follow us online at 24-Hour Nation and on social media at 24-Hour Nation. Where shall we begin? Do you want to begin with the Orlando Hospitality Alliance and how? Yeah, I would. Okay. Well, truly, I think in some way, whether I whether consciously or subconsciously, I've been working on this idea for over ten years now. Um, just starting my career in hospitality in Orlando um, when I moved here to go to, to the University of Central Florida to attend the Rosen College of Hospitality Management, ah. of, of which I'm an alum. Um, and a, and a board and a dean's advisory board member and uh, still do a lot of partnerships with UCF Rosen. So I'm a big fan. I'm a proud alum. Um, I came here and get into hospitality and start working for my now um, member of my board, one of my best friends, my mentor, Jeff Gito, who I talk about a lot. And I, so he was in the nightlife side of things and owned some real estate and uh, multiple venues. And through our relationships together, we've opened and closed, you know, 10, 15 concepts over the years, eating, drinking, um, and, you know, nightlife. I just bring that up to say that the Orlando Hospitality Alliance, I think, was a seed planted in my mind early in college, whether I knew it or not. And then fortunately for me, when the city of Orlando was doing their nighttime, um, sorry, most vibrant um, nightlife destination in Central Florida, no questions asked, was asked to participate. So through this year long study with Jim Peters, who I know that you'll be talking to um, soon as well, they determined that a nighttime economy manager was appropriate uh, recommendation for Orlando. And when that time came, I will never forget, you know, being on the phone with my boss, he says to me, well, okay, well, before I let you go, I got to tell you, I, uh, I did something I, but I should have probably run it by you, but I didn't. So now I'm mostly just telling you. And I, I remember <laughs> thinking, oh gosh, what did you do now? Because, and he's like, well, the city wants to hire a nightmare and I put your name in the hat. Uh, to which I said, oh, well, I have no idea what that means, but I sounds like a very nice compliment and I'll thank you, boss. You know, I love you. All right. Talk to you later. So I end up getting the job and, uh, and that, and I very fortunately, and it has taken me many places and connected me with people like you all over the world. And, you know, Shane Shapiro and Ariel and all, all these just great, brilliant people. And, um, and had an opportunity to really speak about something that I'm so passionate about, you know, constantly and constantly be working on it. So did the nightmare thing for about four and a half years or so. And then after COVID or not after COVID, but towards the 
you know, the tailing out of COVID in 20, the end of 2021. No, like the beginning of 2021, I decided to really take that leap and go full force towards the Orlando hospitality lines because I had at that time become friends with the New York City Hospitality Alliance over the last few years in my nighttime economy manager role. And being able to learn from Andrew Riggi Right. Very specifically about how he he went from working for the state uh, restaurant association, went right into being the founder and executive director of the New York City Hospitality Alliance. And now they've been doing you know great work and successfully for over 10 years. So just having that resource, you know, on hand to call or text to be able to ask these questions and also give me some motivation, uh, some additional motivation was like it was very universal for me, Randall, right? It, I knew in my heart it was the right time. There was so much um, polarizing politics that continue, you know, in Florida and, and, and where I where I come from. And I think that being on the city side was just hard for me personally because I was a team of one. Should have mm. definitely always felt like I needed and deserved a bigger team, you know, to be able to do more. So it very much felt like an uphill battle. I was successful with some really creative partnerships and some programs, some grants and incentives and even some policy changes. But it was, I feel like I took my handcuffs off a little bit. I understand. I'm doing very much a lot of the same work, but now I'm on behalf of my stakeholders and the businesses and uh, in in our own style and pace, which I think is what means a lot to the, so I specifically represent entrepreneurs. In Orlando, as you can imagine, Tourism at large is our bread and butter, right? Sure. And we have excellent, long-standing organizations, big, as I sometimes call them, big mama organizations that do a great job representing and utilizing our bed tax dollars, which of course comes, you know, from hotels, right? And doing advocacy and programming and connect and connecting and growing and really uh, drawing attention to us as a destination. On the small business side, which is what downtown Orlando and a lot of the entertainment districts that, you know, I personally live near, uh, patronize, always have. I've watched them really grow from little, you know, little streets with a couple things on it to now these places where we literally cannot fit anymore eating, drinking, dining, dancing, because we don't have the parking. We don't have the, you know, like they're maxed out, right? So building the alliance was important to kind of bring together. Your alliance includes restaurants, bars, hotels. No cultural, hotels. No hotels. So we say eating, drinking, dining, dancing, and entertainment. Okay. And and entrepreneurs only. So anything that's born and bred in Orlando, whether okay. you know it could be a single unit, it could be 15, 20 units, but as long as it's not you know a publicly traded company um, or like a corporation, like you know a sizable corporation, then that fits the mold. And we oh, really do okay. have, so independent, Jim, Jim calls them the independents, right? I call them the hospitality entrepreneurs. Okay. Um, what I really call them and which was really catching on and super satisfying for me is this, uh, this term that I've coined, you know, as a tagline for the Orlando hospitality lines, local and social. Local That's, and social. I just call it, I just call them local and social. And the value, the value to them and being a part of this alliance is what? So this is the first time that in Central Florida, that, that that segment of the market, that local and social side, has direct, dedicated advocacy and resources and, and an actual alliance. We do have, you know, other alliances that do capture the hotels and right. the Disney's and the Universal Studios of the world. But what happens is the little guy, 
doesn't really get a voice at that table because Hilton and Marriott and Darden and Disney are there and they arguably, right, are bringing in a lot of the money sure. and a lot of the impacts and, and it's and it's working already, right? The Orlando Hospitality Alliance launched in January. We've grassroots fundraised over $100,000 in less wow. than six months. I have 120 something members and I'm adding more every day and a lot of great partnerships with big members of our community who also care about tourism, but also understand that the independent, the local and social side has a lot of value and a lot of impacts in terms of job force, you know, property taxes, sales tax, um, et cetera. And their needs are going to, or I'm, I'm finding, and I, I think I kind of knew, but their needs are hyper local. Whereas some of our, on the tourism at large side, you know, that gets more to the county and state level. And of course we'll rub elbows at all levels, but I think, um, I feel really good. My board feels really good. My members feel really good. The media has been really pro this initiative. And I think that we have a lot of momentum and um, we're going to do big things. So this is something really that any, any, just about any town or city of any size could do if for the, for the local entrepreneurs, local and social uh, entrepreneurs could band together to make sure that they have a place at the table, because otherwise I got elbowed out by the larger institutions. I've got a lot of financial padding too, particularly to survive things like the results of the pandemic, et cetera. So um, that's a very important voice. We hear it a lot in the arts and cultural scene too, the smaller arts and cultural organizations who are often edged out by the bigger ones. They get the bigger money from the bigger entities because they don't quite get the love. And what you're doing is you're binding people together for the love. Right? Yep. Okay. And so how I frame it up to the elected officials and not, not even frame it up, that's a bad term, but how it, I think it looks to them is at organizing is is a, the biggest part of the job, right? Like that's oh, yeah. the most time consuming, right? Hurting the cats, getting the yeah. consensus, getting the buy-in. I have been doing that for years and I'm going to continue doing that. It's what I know. It's what I love. It's what I'm able to. It's the way for me, it, you know, personally, not that this is this is not about me, but it it's it's how I feel like I can be the most impactful, you know, in my community. So I'm giving that resource to the policymakers and the officials. And I already have good relationships with many. So sure. I'm really, really committed to being an organization that never, you know, we kind of joke, we're like, we're not a pitchfork organization. We're not a petition type organization, right? We are a, hey, let, hey, we're the experts. We'll do the research. We'll package it all, make it really pretty. We'll deliver it to you. We'll even help you roll it out. But you just have to just listen. Okay. And because of the the reputation, the the um, the relationships that that respect is there, and now I'm building upon it, you know, and going out a little bit further to our some other surrounding cities and counties. Um, I have a meeting coming up with one of our county commissioners that I'm really excited about, and people are reaching out to us. Okay, well, let's shift a little bit to the Orlando, the current the current night manager for Orlando, nighttime economy manager. What's the focus now with the city of Orlando, and from from that perspective? So he's a friend of mine. His name is Justin Eason, and he is a AICP, you know, planner. Um, planner type. <laughs> right, right. Um, and he lets me call him that. So it's fine. Um, I was not a planner type. And we learned a lot in being one of the first cities with a nighttime economy manager, yes. me being the first one in that office at that time. Um, my position and Justin's now position sitting in our downtown development board, which is a special taxation district. It's a, it's a community redevelopment agency. The CRA. Okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, 
So sitting that position in there, you know, we could, that, again, that could be a, t- a topic of its own, but it's still kind of up for interpretation if that's the best place for that. Right. I understand why they made that decision because the, our, our downtown is where we have a concentration of nightlife. And I think the impetus of creating this position in Orlando, right, wrong, or indifferent, was that there was some stressors and some struggles with downtown because it was exploding right with people and all different types of things going on at the same time so as you and i both know when that happens and especially if it isn't planned it's like very organic which is typically how it is there's a moment and hopefully it's not a long time where there's a lot of friction and then you see crime and then you see you know you see violence occasionally and and then of course no city wants that so I think that the city of Orlando did go into this thinking this this would be a, a way to resolve some of the problems. But fortunately, I do think that they've seen be- benefits even beyond that, you know, more more proactive, because that's really where I always want to be. Um, Justin is dealing a lot with with public safety. He's only been in this role right. for about nine months now, and they've thrown him right into the trenches sure. with the Orlando Police Department. And he's been um working on special nightlife details on some of our really big holidays where we need that extra support for, we're doing like um, dogs that look for guns and bombs, Mm -hmm. not like drugs and, you know, Mm -hmm. not, it does matter. Right. Though, because I don't want to have a war zone in our, in our most central, beautiful, you know, entertainment district, but it has been, it has become really chaotic even more than it was in this last year. And if you look at crime trends, you know, across the way, you're seeing visitation and crime is higher than it was pre-COVID. Right. And there's a different mentality. And I mean, I'll speak for myself and I'll speak as someone who, you know, observes all of this, uh, you know, all the time here in Central Florida, things have shifted, right? So there is, um, there's a lot of people that weren't locals and now they've moved here right so we have like all these new people and we have a lot of young people and we have a lot of like crime going on with young with like youth which is really sad and terrible but also true so so anyways justin's had to really um you know you get into your first uh, public official role and i think they don't tell you this but the first the first year of your job if you're lucky is just making relationships so yeah. He's doing a great job and we work in tandem often. His, you know, his now boss is my former boss and we're all very friendly. Um, We look to each other as a resource. We spend time together every week and similar with New York City with Andrew and Ariel. um, They spend a lot of, they spend time together. They're friends. Um, You know, they, they brainstorm together and they also problem solve together. So that's really the sweet spot that Andrew and I have been talking about you know, me being a newbie and him being a vet in in that case. But there really is something to be said about the buy-in coming, you know, from city to the, to the seat, to the nonprofit, you know, to the, to private the sector. alliance mm-hmm. and then, and then vice versa. Well, the things I've heard from some of the other nighttime managers is that they, many of them will wish they had an organization like that as well, because it kind of takes the one, two punch. Sometimes you need somebody on the inside making it work. It's also interesting to me how many of the nighttime managers in various cities, what departments they answer to in some places, it's the police department. In some places it's the entertainment division or, or special event division. Uh, sometimes it's, 
it's directly to the mayor, like in uh, New York City. So uh, the structure of that is something I will explore. I think maybe when I talk with Jim Peters, who have the Responsible Hospitality Institute uh, on another podcast. Let me segue here for the last topic you wanted to talk about that you wanted to bring up. That had to do with the sociability, the, not so much referencing the nighttime economy, but the sociable economy. Tell, tell me more about that, that nuance that you want to communicate to others. Well, I personally look to Europe a lot in mm. the way that they have named and identified cool, new, trendy, always, not not now, you know, this could be 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago, you know, cutting edge in terms of how people want to spend time together in the right. public realm, whether that's day or night, kids, families, adults, LGBTQ, whatever, whatever the case is, right? And so from a hospitality perspective, you will find me saying a lot in in what I do that hospitality, it doesn't, it doesn't, there's no form. It's not just click restaurant, check bar, check nightclub, you know, check. Usually it's a hybrid approach. And if you're any good at being a hospitality owner or operator and you want to be successful and make money, then part of your job is to have uses more hours of the day. Right. I think, you know, you, when you, when you are in New York, you come across places that open for breakfast, you know, and coffee and, and cafe style that turn into maybe a more full service dining experience at night that might even also have bottle service in the late night. Um, and then you definitely now, which I love, are seeing a lot of, I wish more, but performance venues that can also, you know, be bought out for private functions, fully catered, you know, liquor, no liquor, um, these kind of blank canvases that you can use for a photo shoot for the day or right. a gallery for two weeks, you know, a pop-up gallery, even a pop-up retail space that has coffee and a bar or what have you. So I really like, um, you know, the food hall trend, obviously that kind of goes hand in hand. So when, when you use nighttime economy, or again, at least in here in central Florida, it just sounds like I'm just trying to say nightlife without saying it, but I'm not trying to say nightlife without saying it. I'm trying to say that people, visitors and locals, they, especially, you know, after COVID clearly, as we're seeing from visitation numbers, like they want a place to do things. And those things are vast and, you know, across the board. So who is this, who are these cities and counties that are coming, that they're not coming in, but they're inevitably kind of hindering that creative approach right. because we're too stuck in the check the box here. Oh, you're not a restaurant. Oh, so, oh, then I guess you don't qualify for this. What, you know, we need to be more understanding of the industry itself. And that's where I like, like I said about Europe and, and even New York. I know a lot about New York. I'm a native New Yorker. So that's why you hear me talk about it so much. Um, but they have, you know, they have a DIY culture. They have a gig culture. And that's something that we don't have really here in Central Florida. So I almost wish we would have started with that instead of the nighttime economy. But gotcha. it's just a word and it's not going to, you know, it's not going to ruin anything. Um, and I'm still really proud to be progress in a city progressive enough to understand that. Just like with sustainability, I use the sustainability example a lot as well. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, sustainability was just as important as it is now, but it wasn't talked about as much. And now fast forward, you know, you can go to any, I think any even little city and you're going to have someone there who's 
dedicated to green efforts, right. sustainability, resilience, what have you. Um, that is where we want to see, I, I think, nighttime economy because cities have gone so long without having an expert on staff who just speaks that language. Right. So I'll take that as a win for 100 million percent. Um, but I think it is it's even beyond that. It's like I said, if I could change it right, I would change it to sociability. Personally. Right. OK, so now we know that anybody wanting to visit Orlando and bring their families and we've all done that. But now we know it's more than just about the daytime in Orlando. We know that there's this vibrant ecosystem that extends beyond the nine to five hours. And that's something that many people can enjoy. There are things not only for adults to enjoy once it gets dark and be sociable, but there are also things for families to enjoy. And uh, I'm sure that uh, our friends with Visit Orlando um, would be would love to be able to get that message to get out to a wider universe in the United States. The, the night is alive. They just, Visit Orlando um, just announced, or not just announced, but just a few months ago, uh, started a new campaign. I believe it's, you know, a two or three year effort about the quote, unbelievably real Orlando experience, which nice. is really the first time in a very long time that you see Visit Orlando taking into account all the things that you just said and really shifting the emphasis, not to take away from the the theme parks and the, and the, you know, the family centric reasons and even the conference centric reasons that people do visit Central right. Florida, but looking into the local neighborhoods and trying to, um, trying to weave in that authentic, you know, Exactly. That was the word I was thinking of authentic. And that's the part of Orlando I like the most, I have to tell you, are those neighborhoods and little pockets where it's great to explore and even greater after dark. And so um, I admire your work in Orlando. Uh, congratulations. I think if anybody wants to learn more about the Orlando Hospitality Alliance, they can go to OrlandoHospitalityAlliance.org. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And you're also on Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram, I suppose. Yep, that's right. But that any city or town really in the United States or North America could really look to the Orlando Hospitality Alliance and the model you have created by spinning out of the city structure and into a private sector structure to coalesce the hospitality and social organizations together uh, for their benefit and for the city's benefit. Dominique Greco, uh, executive director and founder of the Orlando Hospitality Alliance. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate talking to you. Thank you, Randall. Anytime. This has been Season 1, Episode 1 of 24 Minutes from 24 Hour Nation at 24hournation.com.